Welcome to this week's episode of Uncle Dad Talks. I'm Uncle Dad, and with me as always is the amazing and ever so talented Mike Hampton. Mike, hello. Hello, hello. Uh, good to see you. Uh, that song we just heard was by, or it's from our beautiful friends at Soundstripe.com. And Mike, as always, tell them what that promo code is. Uncle Dad Talks 10. Yes, confused as ever, but he gets it right every time. Uncle Dad Talks 10 for 10% off your first month subscription and as always you know to avoid making mistakes like me uh they should drink raise energy am i right that's right uh did you, you should drink it? you should drink a raise energy i should drink what i know you're right but yeah I, I do have a bunch of them but i'm okay right now um yes raise energy is our newest sponsor as well uh, we've been talking now for about a few a few weeks now uh great product as we always say mike are you are you're away in north carolina right now have you drank any and you can be honest um, I did. I did drink one. I did drink one on this trip, and it helped. And um, so glad they're a sponsor of ours because you know we get to talk about how much it helps throughout our lives. You know, you're right. I love it. <laughs> you're right. Uh, yes, that's right. Uh, and that's no joke. I'm serious about that. He's very serious. He, uh, no quotations at all. Um, yes, uh, Raise Energy by Rep Sports uh, is a great sponsor of ours. Please, if you have not checked them out yet, I cannot tell you enough. They got great product. And the cool thing about our promo code is that, and people didn't know this, is that you can actually keep reusing it. So it's not like a one-time code and that's it. No, like if you order something and you order something again, you can keep using it. 15% off. Uh, your entire purchase of course certain things are excluded like already sale items clearance items and special promotions but if you buy something for standard price 15 percent off uh it's one five for using promo code uncle dad all lowercase now that we got that out of the way mike tell me are you excited about today's yes of course i'm excited i'm always excited but today i'm actually really excited <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Like, I, like I, I, yeah, I did. I did. You like you like that. That took me it took me a little bit of a surprise. I was like, wait, uh, oh, I get it. Uh yes, today is a very interesting one because we're tying two worlds together, in which, in my opinion, these two worlds are pretty much they go hand in hand together. Cause when you think about it, and I guess I'll say what they are, are wrestling and comic books. If you think about it, wrestling is the closest you can get to like a live action real-time superhero. Would you agree with that? Yes. Clearly, I don't think you do. <laughs> no, I'm curious your opinion about that. Yes. Um, I see where you're going with that. Yeah, they're tough. They're muscular. They're just larger than life. Like, think of like Hulk Hogan, Macho Man. They're larger than life, right? They're... Larger than life. Yeah, their character, you know, they've kind of also got, they have a, a character who, they, who we see, who they kind of become when they put their suit on. Exactly. And then they've got another life that's their normal life that most time we don't know anything about. Yeah, exactly. It's like, you look there. look at The Undertaker. The Undertaker just, um, he just retired, right? He never really broke character through interviews. And mm. now that he's out of, you know, he's in retirement, he's he's being himself doing interviews. It's it's crazy because you just see the two different variants, right? It's like, he's a villain, but then he's really just a normal older guy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and I think that's kind of where the parallel is. Like when you see them, especially when you see them like 
on screen like some of the acrobatics they do are just insane for being as large i mean i'm sure you remember seeing like back in the day seeing like the big show and like um like stone cold steve austin wrestling and then just lifting these large you know gigantic men that's pretty i just think it's pretty insane you know men lifting men men lifting men and in this case our guest doesn't just lift men he lifts heads if, are you aware <laughs> of that <laughs> uh, no he lifts head yeah he lifts head you're <laughs> he's gonna listen to this and be like you guys are ridiculous <laughs> i hope so I hope, I mean, yeah you're right it fits him i think you know hey uh we you know what i should just say who it is our guest is al snow legendary wwe wrestler al snow if you don't know who al snow is look him up because he's probably i don't know if you would say he's underrated but i feel like he is because i feel like a lot of people forget about al snow now by no means am i a wrestling like fanatic i don't know a whole lot about wrestling Mike, I don't even know. Did you really ever follow wrestling? You know, I did for a short time, about 99, 2000. I had a roommate who was so into it. Yeah. And I would sit down while he was watching it and looking, looking at what I thought, how ridiculous, ridiculous it was. But I got co so caught up in the storyline. Yes. Like the storyline got me. And I remember Al Snow during that time. He was... He wasn't like the main, the main guys were like Triple H and Rock. Y yes. And, yep. And, and, and so, Stone but, he was, yeah. but he was around, Al Snow was part of it. And so when you said he was coming on, I was like, and I remember watching that fool and playing him on the uh, Nintendo, I guess it was GameCube or. Oh, was he, I actually didn't know if he was in a game. So he wasn't. I believe, yes. Oh, I that's, that's pretty cool, man. I, it's it's exciting to see who we have here, uh, and, and we're here talking about a bunch of fun stuff. And uh, one of the big things we're talking about is, well, I guess it's not a surprise because it's going to be in the description, right? But we're going to be talking about his upcoming comic book, um, which is pretty exciting. And to be honest with you, if there's any wrestling person in the world that's going to get a comic book, I think he's my first choice, and the next one would be Mankind. Yeah, I think Mankind has had a comic book. Oh, really? I honestly didn't know that. Yeah, I believe he has. Okay, well, what we'll does Al Snow about that? I'm sure he knows. Well, that, that was his tag team partner. <laughs> That's right. Yes, it was. Yeah, I actually See? just watched. Uh, I just watched a match with him and Mick Foley versus um versus not not versus, but they were in the locker room talking shit to The Rock. <laughs> and it's insane <laughs> to think about. It's insane to think about that these people got to wrestle with probably the largest star in the world right now. Well, next to Bruce Willis. <laughs> said no wrestler ever <laughs> and yeah. you're well, aware that most people don't like bruce willis right no i have no idea what you're talking about when you said that <laughs> okay How dare well, you? i don't want to ruin that so because one day he might come on the show and i better not say that so right, that's right <laughs> uh but yes yeah, so without further ado uh we have al snow legendary wwe wrestler on our show we're going to be talking all things wrestling comic books and a bunch of more stuff please uh, hang in there, and we'll be right back after this break. Hey everyone, Baby Gabe here with a quick pre-interview break. First off, we've rebranded. Uncle Dad Comics is now Uncle Dad Studios. We've gone through a lot of changes over our first year and have grown past just covering comic books. We decided to change the name because we cover various topics and industries on the podcast, and we have big plans for the future. You can now find Uncle Dad on Instagram at Uncle Dad Studios, but can still find me at babygabe underscore UDT and Mike at Mike Hampton Art. Reach out to us if you think there's a certain topic you think we should cover on the show. We'd love to hear from you. 
If you enjoyed the interview, consider giving us a review on whichever podcasting app you use that allows it. It supports the show and helps us get in front of more people. More announcements will be coming soon, but until then, I'll hand you back to Uncle Dad and Mike. Take care. All right, Mike, we are back with our very special guest. Mike, I'm going to give you the honors because you're the elder. So can you please introduce our guest? Yes, uh, we have WWF European champion, tag team champ, six-time hardcore champion, uh, Mr. Al Snow on the show today. Welcome, Al Snow. Hi, guys. How are you doing? Thank you for having me. Uh, Thank you for coming. It is quite the honor just to have you here. Even just hearing your voice, I'm just like shivers are going down my spine right now. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) See uh, that's why they call me the Velvet Fog of Wrestling. Yeah, I like that. Um, <laughs> Al, just first thing, I mean, we just, there's so much to ask, really, but I, I just have to ask because one of the main reasons you're here is to talk about the upcoming book. But we, I, I, yeah. I have to ask about the upcoming book. I'm just so excited. Mike, you got to start. I'm so excited. Can you start, Mike? <laughs> <laughs> sure, yes. <laughs> yeah, so Al, you've got a book that's currently uh, uh, has an active Kickstarter for yeah the, the title is the ballad of al snow and head yes yeah. mm-hmm. and so yeah basically the the gist of what i'm getting is it's a post-apocalyptic world based around your the, your character in this in this world that I, it takes place in louisville in kentucky is that right yeah so it's a comic book it's a graphic novel which for me is is just I can't tell you how excited I am because I'm such a huge and always have been comic book fan. I read voraciously and um, probably one of the only things that can keep up with me is, is publishing comic books. So, um, and people would be surprised. I know that a lot of people that don't read them uh, consider them to be juvenile or, you know, uh, banal. Um, but the depth and the, 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 the quality of the writing, uh, the writing so much more sophisticated um, so much more adult-like. Um, the characters have so much more depth. You know, they, the comic book uh, companies, publishing companies even reach out and they try to get other writers that write other forms of stories like mystery, murder, science fiction, horror, and then have them, you know, add that genre into, a, you know, a, a superhero character. So it's, you know, they're, they're far beyond the, the, what you normally used to read back when, the, back in the day now. And, uh, to have a comic book and not just a, a bio comic book, like it just, it goes over my wrestling career because this one doesn't, it actually is its own unique story and uh, its own unique adventure. And the, the really cool thing is, um, and if you read the book, you'll understand it, is that like in this issue, the very first issue, um, it's in a post-apocalyptic world in Louisville, Kentucky. But, you know, in the next one, I believe the setting is probably going to be underwater. And then the next one after that's in outer space. And the reason why is because it all takes place inside my brain, like, you know, because I'm crazy. <laughs> so um, the story will start out with me in the wrestling ring. Something will happen in the wrestling ring, and then it picks up with I've went to this other world. And I'm running a detective agency. Um, and I have Pepper the dog and Pierre are in it. And Pepper's dressed like the big boss man in homage to the big boss man, Ray Trailer. And, uh, and Pierre's like my, you know, my secretary takes messages and, um, and, you know, I go on an adventure and try to solve a case and, uh, try to help people in spite of the fact that they don't want to be helped. 
um, because I think I'm doing well. And then toward the back end of the story, I come back into the ring because I'm regaining consciousness. And then I'm, you know, I go on to win the match or whatever. So it's, it's a different take and having that idea that it all takes place in my mind allows us to, you know, create these different scenarios and these different worlds and different circumstances that within the context of the the story arc it makes perfect sense yeah absolutely i think and it's, it's hearing you describe it too is almost like it sounds like it could be the foundation even for like a saturday morning cartoon right well maybe a little more adult but it, it has that feeling it may be a little more adult <laughs> yeah, but it has that feeling and that's what attracted me to it a lot too was because the the concept it's like it's really endless right like the ideas that you in the worlds that you can go yeah. into they're truly endless and i think it's exciting to yeah. see because i think of out of all the wrestling characters or all the wrestling icons i should say your 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 specific i guess character if i can say uh is perfect for the comic book world so yeah it's it's exciting and i, I you know and this is 100 true uh literally an hour before this uh call i went ahead and i actually backed the kickstarter as well uh so we are very excited oh that. thank you yeah, we Thank we you. are we did the uh, the stable bundle where it has all three all signed by you. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm telling you, the the artwork um, is amazing. I really am just blown away by the artwork and the um, you know the lettering, the coloring, the inking, the you know the scripting. Everything is just it, it really just I the guys the top there were top guys in the comic book industry that wanted to work on it, and I was so flattered that they did. So, I think the artists are. You know, he works on the Game of Thrones comic book, and yeah. um, Tommy Patterson. You know, he, he put that, yeah, he put that on hold so that he could do this. So I was just like, wow, that's incredible. You know, it was really, really cool. Yeah, and uh, Mike, really quickly, can you give the credits out for the people who are part of it? Yeah, I have Tommy Patterson, but I, I did want to ask, how did you get Tommy Patterson? Did you approach him, or did you put out that that you were? doing a book and he just answered the call kind of thing? Rick Watkins, um, who runs Broken Icon Comics, he reached out and, uh, and you know, contacted these people. And, and from what he told me, he was like, they all insisted that they wanted to be a part of it and, you know, put other projects on hold so that they could. Uh, that's cool. Yeah. So, yeah, we have Tommy Patterson, uh, writer Eric Wat Watkins. Colorist is Nick Wetland. And... Uh, Rob Dumo is uh that's the letter. Am I saying did I get that right? Or is it letter or Justin? No, so uh Sorry. Rob Dumo <laughs> is the colorist. <laughs> and then uh and then the uh, the letterer is Justin Birch. Oh, yes. That's what I meant. <laughs> yeah, right, sure. Mike, Mike, you know, it's it's okay. <laughs> you got you're 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 in your own little world too right now. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, I have a whole storyline. Oh I have a storyline going on in my head right now. Right now so. <laughs> uh, so oh I have to ask, um, and I'm sure this yeah. is like something you've been asked a ton of times, but like I'm curious, like where 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 does the passion of comic books, where does that start for you? Um uh, when I was a kid. Uh, my mother drove a school bus, you know, for our local high school where I grew up and I was maybe three or four years old and I went to work with her and found, um, on the bus, a, uh, book, uh, Twilight of the Gods. It was the Norse mythology. And, um, I would read that book, uh, cover to cover. Just, I would read it repeatedly. I kept it for years. It was like my favorite book. Um, and I loved it. And, uh, I think you know, getting caught up in the idea of larger than life characters that had bigger, bigger abilities, superhuman abilities um, that just transferred over into 
comic books um, and the uh, whole graphic storytelling, you know, and I dropped out of it for a long time uh, as I got older. And um, um, because of being on the road and back in that time frame, you know, you didn't have DVDs, you didn't have, you know, now you have streaming, you can watch movies. There's plenty of ways to occupy time, but, you know, getting on a plane or in a car, I didn't have anything to do but read. So I would read, like, I've read every classic piece of literature you're supposed to read. Um, I've read the Bible, I've read the Quran, I read, you know, I haven't read the Torah yet, but, and then um, I started reading, you know, uh, suspense books, and I started reading swords and sorcery books. The problem was most of the swords and sorcery books were usually in three parts, you know, they were, yeah. and they, I could read them faster than they could, I could, they could keep up. So I met a really good friend. Um, I was just starting to get back into the comics, but I was only buying the graphic novels that at that time they were separate and individual stories. And uh, I was at a comic book shop in Florida and I met Andy Smith, who's an awesome, he's an amazing artist. And he worked for CrossGen at that time who were really, they had re revolutionized the way that the comic book industry now operates off their platform. Um, they went out of business, unfortunately. And uh, it was all, you know, I was, it was really cool to meet him and he got me involved in, in even that much more in reading the comics. And, uh, and then I started buying the, you know, the monthly publications because I would only buy the graphic novels, but then I started buying the monthly com comics. And then I'd just been doing it ever since. And just been a big fan of, of, you know, Morris and Johns, Jeff Johns and Straczynski, Christopher Priest, you know, redefined Batman yeah, with his, I mean, uh, Black Panther with his run yes. on Black Panther, mm -hmm. Michael Bendis, you know, that whole, they had a seven year story arc uh, in Marvel, a seven year story arc with multiple titles over multiple years. Uh, the depth and the meticulous uh, detail in telling that seven-year story just blows you away. So uh, incredibly talented people. And I just have loved to, to read it ever since, read them ever since. And I still, every, you know, Wednesday's comic book day. Yep. That's when the new comic books come out. So, And it's great that you know that because a lot of people who we have on the show who have worked in comics don't even know that sometimes. So it's kind of fun to, to know that you know that. So awesome. I am curious then, are you, re are you currently reading uh, that Keanu Reeves book, uh, Berserker? No, no. Is it any good? It's very good. If you get a chance, you got that's probably one of the must-have right. titles right now. That, and I would say, and we just had him on our show, uh, Stray Dogs are, is probably one yeah. of the best books you should check out too. Stray Dogs is incredible if you haven't uh, read that yeah. yet. I got to tell you, I mean, like one of the things that really like, you know, where it turned a corner as far as level of sophistication, I really believe like it was a turning. Um, I can never remember his name. He worked on Justice League uh, and he did the nail and he did Tower of Babel and he redefined Batman, you know, and now everybody writes Batman the way that I don't think it was Morris. I think it was uh, I cannot remember. He was he was on did Superman uh, All Stars and a couple other titles like I, I, cannot remember i never can remember this guy's name and whoever you know if he's listening i apologize because he it was awesome he much like christopher priest mike i think he's talking about uh frank miller no not frank miller uh -uh. no no you'd think frank miller no it was it was not frank miller frank miller didn't have a run on justice league no but he did uh all-star superman or batman. Uh, batman but he didn't do Superman. okay i'm sorry i get those two uh mixed up yeah. mike do you know mike you're the you're the comic book expert i can't remember the guy's name i can't remember the guy's name <laughs> I'm looking, I'm looking now. But, you know, it's an interesting point, Al, because 
Batman, I feel like for me too, uh, some of the writing in Batman just is a, is a leap above writing in a lot of other comic books with the sophistication and the, the oh, character yeah. depth and the psychology of the characters. I was a huge fan yes. of the Batman that Greg Capullo and Scott Snyder did um, a few years back, that run. Yeah. And uh, well, the one that just came out with the rebirth. Yes. Uh, I am suicide. The, uh, you know, that whole run with, with Batman, it got a little shaky at the end. And that's the only thing with DC, like identity crisis was amazing. And then the, the, it got a little shaky at the end. You know, it's like Straczynski. Straczynski started that whole with that, um, gosh, I can't remember the name of the book, but it had a beginning, a middle, and an end. And the beginning and the middle were amazing. And the end got, kind of shake you know but Jeff, like jeff john's an amazing writer i mean like his work on jsa and you know the, that run was was incredible you know his the blackest night on green lantern was incredible was it so was grant morrison a writer on all star that was it that grant was morrison, it grant right? morrison okay grant morrison he redefined batman because batman was in the justice league and everyone no one really liked it you know like the flash was always calling him spooky and he was the ultra over-planning, ultra-paranoid, you know, uh, guy that you would expect that he would be because he's the only actual guy that had no powers, which to my contention is, in all of comicdom, I think he's the only real true superhero because he's the only one that really risks his own well-being to do it. All these others have certain abilities and powers that mitigate their personal risk. Man, that's going to be a controversial statement, I feel. <laughs> it's the truth. If, if Superman flies into a building, a burning building to rescue you, what's he put at risk? Well, what about characters like the if Punisher? If Batman swings, if, well, Punisher's a different, he's not going to swing into the burning building to save you. He's going to shoot. So. <laughs> yeah, he's going to shoot the guy that uh, set the fire to the building. Yes. You know? That's right. I feel, that's like the, I feel like there's got to be another one. Is it technically Daredevil? Well, he's got no. no. Daredevil's got extra. He's got enhanced abilities. Yeah. He's got enhanced hearing, sight, Man, I guess radar. I, you know. Yeah, yeah. There's only one. That's Batman. That's it. Moon Knight. No. Nope. He has another with Ramakrishna. He has the, you know, when a full moon, he gets you yeah. know more abilities, yeah, more yeah. powers, gets more yeah. strength. I mean, mm. you know, and again, it, it mitigates the risk. So you just blew my mind right now with that one. <laughs> <laughs> Even though, you know, I guess you could say Green Arrow because the only thing he has is just shooting somebody with an arrow. You know, he's, he's also puts this himself oh, yeah. in physical harm's way to save somebody. Green Arrow and Hawkeye. So, they've got the laser Hawkeye. eye yeah. for their, for their Hawkeye. arrow. But, yeah. yeah. But Hawkeye the, in the uh, Ultimates, like, like he killed a chick with, the, you know, his fingernail. Like he broke off the fingernail and, and flicked it. And, like he was like bullseye. <laughs> That uh, it's 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 fascinating to hear you talk about comics in this way because I just never, I, I you know looking looking you up and stuff I read that you were you know a Marvel guy and then you really got into Batman which you know Batman's yeah. one of my faves too but I didn't know that your your depth for love of comics went went as far as it does for you how much of that <laughs> like incorporated when you were creating your your Al Snow character for for wrestling. Were you taking bits of, of comic ideas? No. And is that something completely different? No, because the, the characters in wrestling aren't characters. Like, the wrestlers aren't actors. Like, you know, Vince McMahon is Vince McMahon, but just with the volume turned way up. Mm. Steve Austin is really Steve Austin, just with that aspect of his personality turned way up. It has to be that way, because 
you are interacting directly with a live audience and they can tell if it's an act or if it's not real because it's they can sense the energy and it doesn't work if it's not who you really are so um i wasn't legitimately uh, insane maybe some people might say i was but but there was there was a i had a very bad attitude i had a lot of real frustration career wise and everything that i directed through and out of the head so the people could feel it knew it was real yeah, I wanted to ask you that, you know, you had the help me on the head, you had it on your head. And, yeah. and was that really kind of like, in a way, a cry for help from you? Yes, that was what it was supposed to be. Yeah. And it was in, I never acknowledged that it was on my forehead, because I never saw it. Um, but it was on the head's head, basically, like I had kidnapped them or whatever, and they were calling for help to save them from save them from me. Yeah. Wow. That's I had other heads. That I started to use one. I only got to use one, and it was uh, after they, the brood had given a he had given me the bloodbath. I brought out. Uh, I kept wearing the bloody shirt um, and the bloody gear, and then I brought uh, the fear me head, which was like it was it was shaved, had its head shaved, had one eye dug out, had tape black tape over its mouth, had fear me written on its forehead. So I'd like you know I would show different manifestations of my personality. Um, with different heads, but Vince didn't get it because I didn't actually have the conversation with him, and he told me to quit carrying it to the ring. So, really, uh huh, yeah, interesting. And the and the and the whole what does everybody want, what does everybody need, and all that was never meant as a double entendre. I knew that it would come across like that, but it was never meant as that. I was actually, if you listen, pay attention. And as I do it, I get angrier. And it's because I'm getting jealous of the head. And the idea was, I for me in my head, and I. I never, again, never spoke with Vince about it. The idea was to set it up for the audience that eventually I'd get jealous and I would turn on the head and much like you would with another wrestler, I'd have, do all the same stuff you'd see they'd do. I'd attack it backstage and challenge them in the ring and have matches with them and things like that. So were you kind of in your own way doing your own kind of self therapy in, in the ring in front of millions of people on TV and on the internet. Maybe, I don't know. I mean, it sounds Maybe. like you're working something out there. <laughs> Maybe, <laughs> would, yeah, it might have been. You know, it's pretty cathartic, yeah. <laughs> you know, it sounds like, you know, you'd pay a therapist $150 an hour to, to help you deal with this. You were just doing it while you were on, uh, yeah. on live television or whatever. National, yeah. international television, yeah. yeah. I wanted to actually ask about a match that happened, if you don't mind. Uh, it's one of my favorites. It was the Hardcore Championship match in 99 with you versus Road Dog. Do you remember that? Okay. Where you had ended up outside in the snow? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That was unintentional. I wanted to ask, yeah. like, how intentional was that? Or was that completely unintentional? Because you could hear the fire alarm go off when we opened it, when we banged through the door. Yeah, so I didn't know, so, like, if that was if that was a part of it or not. So truly, it wasn't. No, that wasn't. That just happened. And then... After it happened, they always insisted. They always let me basically lay out the match, and they all and they always wanted me to go somewhere, some you know, some destination. And it got to where I always had to find and have things culminate at some different area of the building. So interesting. Oh wow, that's 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 a great insight because I've always wondered that because it was such, that match is so epic because it just goes on, and you know, unfortunately, we all know how it ends. But it's just uh, it was just so epic and just watching you both of you guys just kind of going at it nonstop. it was just incredible true true showmanship in that whole entire in that whole entire segment so thank you it was, it was incredible mike do you know what i'm referring to 
I did not see that one. No. Okay, you gotta you gotta look it up on I'm YouTube not, and watch it because it, it yeah, is sure. it is phenomenal. Truly, the people well, Road listening. Dog, Road, Road Dog's incredibly. I think he, I think he's really underrated. Yeah, as a in ring performer, I really think that he's he doesn't get his just due. You know, and on the subject of underrated, you know who what I think is very underrated is your finisher. I feel like your finisher always oh, gets no plan. Yeah, snow I feel plan. like everybody always forgets about it, and it's like. That's probably I don't know. It's like it's a solid finisher, and it's you, you always did it with such excitement. It felt like, and uh, when it happened, it was just always like, yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know, Mike. Would you do you agree with that? Or yeah, you know, I, I did kind of forget about it, and then I looked at a clip, and then I was like, oh, it, it just popped right, you know, popped right back in my memory. But yeah, it was, it's a great one. I mean, and it, you know, Al Snow does the snowplow. It's, <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> what else are you gonna do hit people with a head I guess. <laughs> yeah uh now did you come up with that name Snowplow? uh no paul Heyman actually came up with the name i came up with the move oh really and then yeah i came up with the move and did it and then he's like oh we gotta name it we gotta name it and he called it the snowplow and i was like Ugh, i don't like that <laughs> like, it, it kind of stuck and then i was like well i guess I guess that's what it is. Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely the low hanging fruit, right? Like it's that easy, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, just, I tossed him a layup there. Yeah. That was easy. <laughs> that's so funny. So, as we kind of dive into the the, the wrestling, I, I have to ask too, like, what is it? What is it like? You know, when you were wrestling with um, obviously Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, and then seeing how he is now, is that something that anybody for, for like could have seen coming? I mean, like, did you ever feel that this guy is going to be the biggest person ever? Well, no, I don't think, you know, I mean, not a, nobody could see that. I mean, you can't, like people will say or claim, you know, oh, I saw it in so-and-so, you know, when they first walked in the door. No, you didn't. <laughs> Everyone has the potential to do that. It's just, and he did. And he's, he's an awesome rock. The rock is an awesome, awesome, awesome human being, just an awesome person. And from what I understand, he's no different now than he was, you know, when he was, he was in WWF. That that's that's good to hear for sure because you always often wonder like how much do they change with the fame and you know obviously there's nobody larger than life than him right now. Yeah, a lot of people do, you know, but I think because his dad, you know, he was part of the business with his his mother and his father. Both, you know, his mother was, you know, uh, chief. I forgot her name, but I only know of her because the show right now. Well, <laughs> she her dad was you know a wrestler and. And then Rocky was a wrestler, and you know, so gosh, I had it, I had it, I had it, I had it. I can't remember it now because I keep thinking of CV Afi, and it's not him. It's it's I chief Peter Mavia. Yes, Peter Mavia yeah. was the Rock's grandfather. So they were broke into the Dwayne was broke into the business, and there we one thing we've always had in this business because it's very it's a very dichotomous business in the sense that you have to go to the ring and you have to go out there with the sense that you're trying to make yourself a star, make yourself an attraction, but you can't do it without the other person. So. Uh, forms of etiquette that were very intrinsic and part of the business that were passed down and in the rules were very adhered to in regards to that etiquette to ensure that you you didn't lose sight of reality that you understood that you're, no one's bigger than the show that you can't have the main event without the opening match and you can't have the opening match without the main event you can't can't have a good guy that people cheer without a bad guy that people boo you can't have a bad guy that people boo without a good guy that people cheer you know you can't it just is what it is. You can't win if somebody's not willing to lose. You know, you can't lose if somebody's not willing to win. Um, so you're not bigger than the show. There are a lot of people that go into it that are integral into, you know, especially in an operation like WWE, but, you know, even just a regular, just professional wrestling show. 
there are a lot of people that are integral into that, that, you know, the people that even in the movies, the people that work the hardest and the longest and get the least amount of praise are the crew. And without that crew, no matter how talented the rock is, <laughs> you ain't going to have a movie. You know what I mean? He ain't going to go and pick up Apple boxes and move a lighting and make sure sound is there or checked and, you know, et cetera. He's not going to do all that. And, he, and by the time he's going to go back to his trailer and then they're all going to continue to be there working well into the night. And, um, you know, that that's a very uh, important piece of etiquette in the wrestling business that we're very, we're taught and we're held to uh, very much so. Because you, the last thing you need to do is kind of, because you're almost a method actor. So you, you really have to buy in and believe everything you do, of course, because if you don't, the audience won't, but you've got to be able to come back through the, through the curtain and turn that off to a degree and, and appreciate what everyone else does for you. So, so, uh, so you, it's, it's pretty true to what you're saying that when you go into the ring, that's, you're creating this character. And so it, it or maybe it's not a character, but it's all, it's coming from you. It's not someone with a clipboard yeah. saying, Hey, you're going to act like, I don't this. know. I don't know you're, about now. Yeah. I don't know about now. Okay. But I can tell you that that is the real art of professional wrestling mm -hmm. is that once I walk through the curtain, because the, the professional wrestling business is the professional wrestlers business. It's not promoters. It's not writers. It's not anybody. Because once they walk through the curtain, there's nothing that I can do to help them. And there's nothing I can do to hinder them. I can't prevent them from being a star. And they, they make themselves a star. And then I or Vince or any other promoter then tries to capitalize on what they've done and then exploit it to where, you know, everybody makes money. Yeah. So you're all kind of uh, trying, to, trying to elevate each other. Big difference from Hollywood because Hollywood, you know, you can, they can use a lot of magic and, you know, lots of things that they can make someone who's kind of a star, but not quite a star. They can make them a star in wrestling. That don't happen. Like they try, and it it sometimes it doesn't succeed. You know what I mean? It, it's a, it's a fight, and you know the ones that really become massive mega stars are the ones that went out and did it on their own. Steve Austin, you know The Rock. And, and I imagine it's it's stressful, and and especially if you're a character, you're you you're you are not taking off. Like say I'm a wrestler, and I'm not I'm not hitting what for whatever reason I'm not popular. Like the the mental yeah. like depression must be crazy. Oh, sure. Do they have like uh, mental help for 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 you guys in there when you're when you're coming uh, up? No, unfortunately, they don't. And the wrestling business is an incredibly competitive business, and in WWE, it's really insane because you're only as good no matter how long you've been there, no matter how many matches you've done, no matter what you've accomplished, you're only as good as the last match you had, and. You know, I try to explain that to the trainees, you know, that, that are here in OVW and at the Allison Wrestling Academy. He's like, here's the, here's the reality, is that you basically are going to live 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, playing poker and chess with the very people that you're sitting in the locker room with and with, with the very people that are having you come out and perform on their show. And your name is going to come up every single week uh, in a meeting. And if it doesn't, you know, if it gets hung up around the table at one place for way too long, Vince will go, okay, let's get rid of them, moving on. And you're done. So, and if you have 30 seconds of television time, 
then somebody in that backstage area wants that 30 seconds and feels they deserved it more. And they're going to do everything they can to get it from. Yeah. And that's your life. That's uh, yeah, that's pretty intense. But, but then at the same time, I'm sure it's also very rewarding, right? Like, oh, sure. Yeah. yeah. When you have those moments, we go out and you can really physically tell a story and capture an audience and elicit um, an emotional reaction. That's on a whole different level. You know, that's what it's all about. Yeah, absolutely. And you brought up, uh, OVW, uh, can we can you explain the audience what uh, that is? OVW was uh, it's been in business for over thirty years. Uh, founder Danny Davis uh, started here in Louisville, Kentucky, back in the nineties, um, and it was a training center. And then it's become a it became a territory. A territory is where you know regional area where promotionally they run live events and they ran TV. I think we're the longest running consecutive locally produced television show in the history of television as it stands right now. We're at like episode 1139, I think, as of this week, of consecutive episodes. And uh, um, we have, uh, you know, we were the developmental program for WWE and turned out our alumni probably range in the uh, well over 200 that have been in WWE and almost all of, a lot, most of the main events in WWE at WrestleMania have had one of our alumni in it Wow! over the years. And we are the only certified by the state office of proprietary education they oversee secondary education colleges universities trade schools we're the only ones in the world that are um, certified to be accredited as an actual trade school for professional wrestling sports entertainment and broadcasting um, outside of wwe and aew we're the only promotion i believe that produces a live television show on a weekly basis um, that allows young talent to be developed and get the opportunity to have experience and in that form of television prior to going to a larger platform like WWE or AEW. And uh, we have just signed a regional television deal that will put us all over the entire state of Kentucky, which will enable us and facilitate us to run weekly live events uh, on a more regular scheduled basis. Uh, for us, live events, the traditional live event format um, is profitable for us because we, we don't have the overhead that a WWE right does because they they literally are considering not doing that anymore because of the cost is just so prohibitive because they've got to fly so many talent into a specific area from all over the country they've got to you know have a continuous ring truck and crew out on the road the whole year going from different area to different area um and it just is super expensive to do but for us it's and for us it's the the place where uh, the wrestlers will learn the real art of what it is they need to do um, and then and enable them to really develop and become stars that could be the next generation that you watch you know in wwe or aew that's that's great i mean yeah i didn't know i really didn't know that much about the ovw so now that you just thank you for kind of explaining that to us because that's fascinating. So then where does the, the Gladiator Sports Network come into play? Well, Gladiator Sports Network is kind of like an umbrella company that that way we can promote other events if we want to do boxing gotcha. or, or MMA or something like that. But primarily we just do OVW at the time because it's just such a monster to take care of. When we have national you know, clearance on uh, YTA, uh, Sports 11, Cox Sports out of Louisiana, we're uh, Game Plus. We're probably nationally in about 150 million homes, I think, with the multiple, all the multiple little different cable and streaming networks. And then internationally, we're on, you know, Roku, 
Amazon Prime, Amazon Fire, and then we're uh, uh, on Sky Sports and uh, Sports International TV, which is a European sports channel, which is about, I've been told, reaches about 750 million homes worldwide. And we're also on Fight TV, the Fight TV app, every Thursday night. Um, May 6th, we are moving to Thursdays instead of doing live on Tuesdays, and we'll have a live two-hour broadcast on Fight TV at that time. So... Also, I'm definitely going to be watching those. And we, you know, um, I try very hard to teach the wrestlers to um, sell who they are and why they're in the ring doing it. It's my opinion that, you know, the problem and the disconnect in today's modern era and that has developed over the last 10, 15 plus years is that the wrestlers sell what they do. And for you, the audience member, you never buy a ticket based on what people do you buy a ticket to see who it is and because you were you you can relate to them on a personal level uh either you want to be or be just like them be them or be just like them or you don't like them because you know of somebody that's similar to them and and then the why they're facing each other is what motivates you to buy a ticket or watch a pay-per-view or the television show it's no different in boxing that was what drove the heat is what we call it in the, um, you know, the O'Connor and um, in the Mayweather fight. Yeah. It was not, it was who, who was fighting and it was why they were fighting. You know, it was, you know, who was going to shut whose mouth up. You know, that was the gimmick of the match. You know, you watch MMA. It's not, it's not what the guy does because you can't relate to it, quite honest, unless you go to a local jujitsu club, right. you know, you don't know what they're doing. That's why they changed the rules and it's made MMA more stand-up because now people can relate more to somebody getting knocked out or kicked in the face than they can somebody down on the mat getting choked out. So, you know, for the average, the broad audience, Mr. and Mrs. Walmart, it has more appeal. So, and the, the real strength, the success for UFC all started when they got the ultimate fighter, which was really just a knockoff of Tough Enough. Yeah. And it allowed, and Dana White said it himself, it allowed the audience, the general audience, to identify who the fighters were and care about whether or not they won or lost. So in, in OVW, I tried very hard to focus on the who and the why and then have logical storylines that at no point in time will you sit there as an audience member and go, hey, why, why is that happening? Why is, why is he doing this? That doesn't make any sense. You know, I don't want a wrestler to, to stand in the back uh, on the microphone telling you, oh, I'm going to beat you up. I'm going to kick a butthole in you. And then he walks out there and he locks up with a guy and grabs a headlock. Well, hey, that just went counterclockwise to what you just told me. So, you know, that causes you as the audience to go, eh, okay, I'm not digging this. Yeah, you've got some, you want there to be some integrity in what's, in what's the product, yes. right? Mm -hmm. and, and, yes. And so when you said the storyline, so are, are you writing storylines or is that, is that just? Yes. You are, okay. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I did when... I took over the writing duties when I was with WWE as, a, as the developmental. Um, once Jim Cornette got fired, Paul Heyman went back up to the main roster to help with the rebirth, you know, the rebirth of ECW. Uh, Greg Gagne was brought in, and then kind of ipso facto, I kind of began writing and producing and directing the TV. And then when I was an executive with Impact Wrestling TNA, I put together and helped, you know, with along with uh, Bruce Pritchard you know, uh, a developmental program for TNA and again, an association again with OVW. And then I wrote and produced and directed the TV at that time. 
And then the same, you know, this time since I bought it, 2018, I do the same there. I, I bought, I write and write the TV and produce and direct. And, and, and not just, you know, I do it 99% of it. Uh, there are a lot of people that help me. And, you know, I've got a, some people that will, you know, be on a, uh, that help on our, help me write. Uh, I have an assistant who helped me back in the impact days and is still here. And his name's Adam Revolver and he does a great job. Did you, did you have uh, any kind of training or like, did you, did you, did, did you work on, on those skills before or in parallel to when you were wrestling or is that just, is this just coming naturally from you as, as you evolve as a human kind of thing? Time? Yeah, it just kind of, kind of happened. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think my experience in the ring is what I use in the night. Quite honestly, because professional wrestling is no more than a live action comic book. So I think my reading and my love of, of the comic books kind of really, it's a, it's a, uh, what do you call it? it? You know, it's a cliffhanger. It's a, yeah. it's a serial. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, and, and I have to do that on a weekly basis and I have to think of ways that I can, uh, in the wrestling vernacular, put a heat on a heel and in the following week, let the baby face get back up on the heel, basically get some form of justice, but not truly completely kick his ass so that you still want to see that happen when they finally wrestle and then do that week in week out always with something new always something different and always try to outdo what i did last time and keep you and then always when you think it's going to go one way surprise you and it doesn't happen that way so that you're you're you never know what to anticipate and you can't just sit there and i know what's going to happen here right. so and so is going to do blah 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 i want to kind of try and keep you always guessing so I just want to quickly say thank you so much for saying what you said about wrestling being like comic books, because I literally yeah. mentioned that to Mike in our introduction that I, I feel like wrestlers are the closest thing to superhero and supervillains in the real world format. Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, we wear the outlandish costumes and spandex and, <laughs> you know, but, and everybody has their own particular skills and abilities and focus of, you know, certain moves and things like that. And then it's a, it's a, you know, it's a uh, moralistic play within the construct of a competitive situation. You have to have that construct of the competitive situation. You have to, because that without that construct of com competition, there's no gravity. There's no consequence to the loss or the win. And if there's no consequence to that win or loss, then there's no, there's no drama. If there's no drama, there's no heat, no want, no need, no desire. And if that's not there, then we don't sell tickets. We don't motivate you to keep you interested to want to watch and see the outcome and ultimately what you feel is justice. Yeah, and and it's interesting. Like there's a storyline and and the cliffhanger, and that's in comics, that's in the this in the shows. That's what kept me watching. You know, the the WWF. It might have been that at that point. Still, I, I don't remember yeah. really, but. It's just the storylines were so good, and then you love the characters, and you have your favorites, and then you hate the ones you hate, and and you just get sure. sucked in like a like a soap opera, mm -hmm. but, you know. But it's, and you want to keep tuning in yep. because you're afraid that if you don't, you'll miss something. And it's so fun, and <laughs> and yeah. and you and I and I just you know looking at you now, like you, you stayed in shape and in, in incredible shape post post wrestling career, and now you're doing behind the scenes work, and I know you're still working with a lot of. Uh, with people with your um, with your academy but like what motivates you to like still like work out and like stay in such good shape like it, it just that's just who you are and you can't not do that yeah pretty much I mean um, it's always been a passion for me and and uh, you know when I made the decision to be a professional wrestler I was 14 years old and there was never a plan b 
And I know, you know, and I would even tell my own kids, you know, I always have a plan B. But really, when you do that, I mean, you're already kind of accepting that plan A probably ain't going to work out. And and if you're wanting to do so, I truly, sincerely, this isn't this motivational BS that you see everybody tell you. I really, because I came out of a, in the middle of nowhere in Ohio, and there was no wrestling near me. And, and it, I came into a business at that time was so closed and so secular. It was easier to become a made man in the mafia than it was to become a professional wrestler. Mm. You know, and I wasn't physically muscular and gifted. And, you know, I'm 6'2", you know. At the time, I was 18. I was lucky if I was a buck 90, 200 pounds. You know, I looked even at buck 90, 200 pounds, I looked like I weighed about 170. You know, I looked ridiculous. So it wasn't a simple process. Like I just walked in, the doors opened, everybody went, oh, here comes the Xavier Wrestling. I was able to do it. I was able to live my dream for the last 39 years. And I truly believe that if you want to live a life that others don't live, you have to be willing to do things that others don't do. And nothing's impossible. It's going to be hard. It's going to take a lot of work. It takes a lot of work. And that, I think, is probably one of the most fascinating things running the school I have for as long as I have and teaching these young kids is watching them even in Tough Enough, watching, to come, watching them come face-to-face -face with the reality of just exactly what it is they're going to have to do to undertake this and become successful compared to the fantasy and the romantic idea they had in their heads when they first started. And that applies to everything in life. It applies to every pursuit you want to make, because I'll tell you right now, one, nobody owes you anything, okay? I know that we all are now today trying to be in a competition to see who can out-victim the other and say that they've got it harder and had it worse, and so that we can be offended about something, okay? But nobody owes you anything, okay? That's the, that's the real honest fact of life. Nobody owes you anything. And you're free to accomplish anything you want to accomplish, but you've got to be honest with yourself and say, are you willing to pay the price to do it? And if you are, then go do it. If you're not, that's fine. You know, that, that, that's nothing to feel bad about. That, that wasn't clearly a passion for you, but go and pursue your passion. Do what you want to do. Don't just accept that you've got to do something because you feel like you have to. The only two things you have to do are die and breathe. Was there, was there anything in your climb of your career or you had to sacrifice something in order to, 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 to really, and what was like, what was one of the hardest things that you had to sacrifice to, to get, to, to make your dreams manifest the way they have tons of things. I mean, emotion, physical pain, you know, time with my family in uh, financial stability, anxiety, depression, insecurity, inferiority, um, riddled with that day in and day out. Because you're, you're only as good as the last time you perform. And your value is only directly in relationship to how much your name will attract an audience. And that, that is the hardest job in the world. That's why movie stars are held in higher esteem than movie, the television stars. Because a movie star doesn't just do his job. A movie star's real job is to motivate you to leave your house, yep. drive to that theater and pay to see him do it. Well, now my job is to motivate you to leave your house, drive to a building, pay to get in, sit in a seat you, that's, it's an uncomfortable seat. Let's face it. No matter where you sit in any arena, yeah. you got to sit around people. You don't want to sit around, right? Yeah. Drunk. And you're going to pay for food. <laughs> you're going to pay for, yep. And you're going to pay for food and beer. You don't want to pay for. And it's going to cost way too much. You're going to have to pay to park to see me do my job. Yeah. That's a hard thing to do. My job when I go on TV is not to wrestle. My job is to catch your attention and keep you from turning that channel and then 
somehow motivate you to want to pay the same on a regular basis. That ain't easy. Yeah, it doesn't sound like so, it. So, <laughs> and back in the day, yeah. back in the day, you know, we didn't have the internet. You know, we only our sole rely. You know, we could, had to rely on just the promoters and their their oper- television operations, and that was the only way we could reach an audience and and you know become a factor in how many people showed up at the building because of our names being on a poster. That's in all entertainment, guys. That's not just in wrestling. That's in movie acting. Mm-hmm. That is in music. That's in you name it. At the end of the day, you could be the best. You could be better than Sir Lawrence Olivier as far as an actor, and no one will ever know your name because no one will pay to see you. Mm-hmm. You could be Arnold Schwarzenegger, who, quite honestly, wonderful. I'm sure he's a wonderful person, but he was a horrible actor. <laughs> but he got to make tons of movies. Why? Because people paid to see them. Yeah, yeah. Well, and that's the reality of it. You're not entitled. With a pursuit like this, you're not entitled to just like you do with a typical job. You just show up and you can, you can, and let's face it, a lot of people do. They put it on cruise. They show up one day. I don't feel like doing much. I ain't going to put out, but you're still going to get paid the same. Okay. I show up and I go on cruise. I show up and I'm, if I'm sick, I can't call off. If I get hurt, I can't call off because if I do, well, then there's a possibility that all that I work for, somebody else now can catch up and now can go past me. And could take my spot, okay? Mm-hmm. Also, I sold you a product. And you, be honest, you don't care that I've been on the road for the last 12 days. You don't care that I've got the flu. What you care about is that when you walk in that building and pay your money, that you get to see what you paid to see, which was the guy you saw on TV. And he better be just like he was on TV, because if he's not, you're going to be upset, and you're not going to be happy, and you ain't going to do it again. That's a lot of that's a lot of pressure. It's a lot of pressure. <laughs> How do you sleep at night? How did you sleep at night? Jeez. But that's your choice. You know, you 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 know, yeah. You you can listen, we lie to everybody all. I tell I give this advice too. And that is we lie to everybody every day. And if you think you don't, you're lying to yourself. The one person you never lie to is lie, don't lie to yourself. Be honest about your motivation. Be truthful. Me realize you're not perfect. You're a human being, you're selfish, you're petty, you're arrogant, you're everything that you don't like in other people, you are too. And whether you like it or not, in somebody's story, you're the heel, you're the villain. I say that all the time. As we speak, (laughs) as as we speak, you are the villain in somebody else's story. So just acknowledge it, accept who you are. It's freeing because now you don't have to, your your identity, your self-worth, your confidence have nothing to do with anyone's opinion because you know who you are and you've accepted everything. And now the more you accept it and the more you, you I'll straight up tell you everything I've ever done. You know why? Because now you can't use it against me. Yep. I, I, tell, I, I feel the same way. And the way, the way you're saying about the villain, like I, I remember hearing this once in a film and I cannot remember for the life of me of this movie, but they said, we always want to be the superhero of, of our own story, but we yeah. never take the time to, to think would maybe they be the villain in somebody else's because you are exactly and and it's oh man you just you just hit my heartstrings with that one thank you <laughs> but hey it's okay because guess what everybody is yeah you we're too busy now being sanctimonious and self-righteous and judging each other simply because somebody else sins differently than we do right. knock it off yeah Get uh, over yourself thank you so much for all that uh as <laughs> we do have to wrap up now but thank you so much but yes. before we wrap up uh can you tell our audience uh where to get your where to well first off let's talk about your sure. social medias uh, where, what are your social media sure. um it's at the real al snow because in you know because i had to make those names on facebook instagram and twitter back before they had the blue check mark 
Um, and look, even now with the blue check mark, some guys will fake beam me. And if you do, it's cool. I don't mind, but I'm going to message you and go, look, brother, seriously, why don't you aim the bar higher? Like if you get a fake beam a celebrity, why would you want to be me? Like be George Clooney or Brad Pitt. Bruce Willis. Somebody gets chips. Bruce Willis. Bruce. You know what I mean? Get over, man. What? That's right. you're, you're trying to fly under the, I get it. You're, you're flying under the radar. I get it. I understand. But you know, could you stop? Cause you know, it's hard enough for me. So just let me be. And, uh, but at the real Al Snow on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. And then uh, if you want to just check out OVW, you can go to ovwrestling.com. Um, on Facebook, it's Ohio Valley Wrestling. On Facebook, on Twitter and Instagram, it's OV Wrestling. Um, and then the Al Snow Wrestling Academy is aswa.live is the website. And then it's, ASW, it's OVW slash ASWA on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. All good stuff. And then the Kickstarter is Kickstarter. Is it? Do you just go to Kickstarter and just look up the Ballad of Al Snow? I think so. Yeah. Okay. You know, if you or you can come to my social media and I have the link, or you can go to Broken Icon Comics and they have the link there as well to take you right to to the uh, Kickstarter. There are really some some of the artwork and stuff that they're offering as you know specials and stuff. Are I really? I'm I'm a big artwork fan and and you know Jim Lee and Alex Ross and just you know, and, um, you know, it just, man, it's, it's awesome. The stuff that the, the art on this is just, it's a really incredible. Yeah. It, it's great art. And really, if you can, uh, please pledge, please do so. Cause as of this, as, as of this recording, you guys are currently basically $500 short of, uh, funding the goal. So we're so close. Yeah. 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 We're so close. I mean, that's, it's incredible. Yeah. So please go. I there. can't thank everybody enough. I really can't. I can't thank everybody enough. So. Yeah, we're excited here, Uncle Dad. We're very excited. That's why I had to do the um, the sixty dollars one. I came with three because I have to give them all out. So, <laughs> oh, and uh, if you guys, I wrote a book about my career. It's on Amazon.com, and it's called Self Help: Life Lessons from the Bizarre Career of Al Snow. And you know, it's just I'm very honest in it, and it's not like your typical wrestling book. I not I don't throw dirt on anybody. I don't. Um, I'm not bitter. Um, I just straight up tell the mistakes I've made and the lessons I've learned from them. And there's a lot of ridiculous stories in there. And I try to make it entertaining and funny and, and a, a fun read. The reviews on your book are unlike any other wrestling book I've seen. Like it's really? such, I mean, I, when I, when I saw on Amazon, like they're all, po everyone loves it. It's positive, funny, Good. entertaining. Good. And they even say what you said, you don't, you're not in there bashing other people's names just to sell nah. books. Like that's not No, because I like, I, I genuinely like, again, how am I, why, how am I going to judge other people for sending differently to me? I mean, come on. Yeah. Right. I'll definitely have to pick that up then. Yeah. That sounds good. As we end every show, we always ask every guest this one question, no matter what they do yes. in their background, their question, that question is, if you could recommend one comic book for our audience to read, what would that be? I would have to say, if you're wanting to get in and like, if you want to really write, read a good story, like the identity crisis, I would have to say would be the thing you would want to read. Okay. It's a self-contained beginning, middle and end. It's very well developed as far as it starts out as a murder mystery, but then you find out that some of the superheroes went and did things behind the other superheroes backs that was that were morally questionable and that's where the twist comes in that ultimate power ultimately corrupts and some of these people that are supposed to be squeaky clean took it upon themselves to manipulate uh some of the villains personalities and things 
and now it's coming back to haunt them uh, through this murder mystery that took place. Awesome. So it's it's fascinating to that to watch it, that it would happen in real life if you had a group of people. It's brilliantly written. Rags Morales does, I think, and I can't remember who else did the art. Artwork is incredible. It's it it was an, an incredible book. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I recommend that one as well. So yeah, Identity Crisis definitely is a great recommendation. Thank you, uh, Mike. Any last words? Yeah, you know, I, I was looking at the reward tiers, um, you know, before the show, and one of the reward tiers you mentioned art, Al Snow, but <laughs> it comes with a page of art from the comic, which is amazing. And I, I'll let yeah. people go on there and, and figure it out for themselves how much it is. But it's, I was shocked that at that price you could get a page of art from the yeah. book. So. That's, great deal really cool. well, i've got i myself in my office i've got lots of page artwork from other comics like aquaman and batman and, and i've got them framed up and then in my office and i love i love the black and white you know oversized panels and all of that yeah i think every comic yeah. book fan should have some original art like i have some myself and yeah, it's definitely, and it's good to Mike's point, like if you're going to pledge and you have the ability to pledge, I definitely recommend looking at those tiers because some of them are like pretty great. Yeah, and the artwork's badass. I mean, they really- Oh, it is. Yeah. It's really incredible. It's super badass. I completely agree. Thank you again, Al, for being on the show. We really appreciate it. It has been- No, thank you. A 100% honor to have you here. And mm-hmm. we just truly can't wait to have everybody listen to this episode. And this is going to come out before your- you guys have an OVW OVW match May fifteenth, correct? Uh, we have one May thirteenth. Yes, May thirteenth is May thirteenth. Gotcha. Yes. Was there a live one on May fifteenth or no? Uh, there will be a live one May thirteenth. Okay, gotcha. We will. We'll have. We have live events, not televisions, not televised. We have one fourteenth and fifteenth. Gotcha. But we have an actual actual television, which will be on Fight TV and all those other networks and outlets on May thirteenth. Awesome. So yes. Yeah, so everybody, uh, please go check that out. And as always. Thank you again and love each other, respect each other, and we'll see you guys all next week. Bye.